Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. We talk about our favorite records. Talking Records Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Thank you all for listening. You showed up to the right place. Jen and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love. We'll tell you how we found the band. Then give you a track by track breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat. Today we'll look at another record in its entirety. Hello, what's up everyone? My name is Jed and you're listening to Talking Records, a podcast about music and our love for the details. On this podcast, we enjoy diving into albums we love trying to piece together the album's history, our history with the album, and then a song-by-song breakdown. It's fun! Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Dylan. Welcome back to the podcast, Dylan. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. It's good to see you. It's been a while. Last time we were on, we were talking about the Ataris. Yeah, I think it was... It was kind of COVID-y times, wasn't it? I'm sure it was. It it was, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, we were doing this just to stay sane. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work out? <laughs> it worked pretty well. <laughs> now we're doing it for fun. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I understand you're a dad now. Yeah, I'm um, 11 months in, roughly now. You look like you've gotten plenty of sleep. <laughs> it's a, a bit of sarcasm there. Yeah. So if, if it's, not, it's, not, it's not the COVID driving me to insanity now, it's my little baby girl. But yeah, it's, go, it's going well. Well, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. It's great. I'm having a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I'm playing her a lot of the, a lot of the records that you hear on this uh, podcast. Um, are kind of finding her what their way into her ears. So, nice. <laughs> kind of full circle. A future talking records listener. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening to Talking Records today. Dylan and I are going to be diving into the Living Ends self-titled album, The Living End. The Living End self-titled debut is released on October 12, 1998 on Modular Recordings. The Australian label was founded by tour promoter and businessman Steve Pavalvik that same year. In the U.S., the album went on Reprise Records, the home of their pals Green Day. The band, Dylan, had actually sent a demo and a (laughs) t-shirt to Green Day and landed a support slot on Green Day's 1995 Australian tour. Did you catch that tour? I didn't catch that tour. The history is really interesting to me because, I mean, I'm really glad I've, I'm on this episode with The Living Ends, as people might be able to hear. I'm Australian, even though I live in the UK, I'm Australian. <laughs> and I think I've been nagging you do this record for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it's, what, the 25th anniversary? Yes. 25th anniversary coming up and yeah it's 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 that's great it makes me feel old but it also makes me happy that you know this album is still so popular and it stands up and that's uh yeah um the backstory is i remember about that that green day connection because they had this ep called it's for your own good Mm -hmm. out and i don't think it was that big but i was sort of at an age where I'm just finding my feet, finding new music. 
and didn't really have a huge kind of and uh, huge inroads into the indie music scene underground music really but i had i was aware of that ep it's your own good and i and i had listened to a couple of tracks on it really and really dug it but then out of nowhere this song prisoner of society comes out mm. by the living end that is absolutely huge that song it blew up and i want to get your perspective from someone in the states in a bit but in australia it was you know huge um and it's released on a single well it's weird it's called an ep by some people and a single by others i mean it's technically an ep but the only, there's only two original songs on there okay. that were recorded for that ep and that is Prisoner of Society and Second Solution. Mm -hmm. And the name of the EP is Prisoner of Society slash Second Solution. They themselves say it was recorded in two days just as something to sell at shows. <laughs> but I also just bang it out. So I, yeah, I, I, I did a little bit of research and I did read about the whole Green Day thing. And I specifically remember at the time hearing somewhere that Scott Cheney, the, uh, Chris Cheney, sorry, the lead singer of, of the band, guitarist, that saying that they wrote those songs in a hurry to try and get the support because I think they got wind of the fact that it was a possibility. They mm. only had that older EP and they wanted some new material. So they went into the studio two days, smashed that up. And from what I hear, well, they did get the gig with Green Day. And I think Billy Joe's quite a big fan, actually. Yeah. That's pretty, I didn't know that. That's cool. Just, we got to get on that tour here. We got to put some new stuff together and get it out. To them. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so different to what would happen these days with technology and that, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But, it, but yeah, they, they, they did that two days, which, you know, for people who don't know, that's insanely quick. Mm -hmm. um, and that single, so Prisoner Society is released as a single, absolutely blows up. It's the best-selling single of the whole 90s decade in Australia. Wow, really? Yeah. So this That's is what amazing. I'm curious about, really, is just... I want to know at the sort of the top, really, I'm going to ask you a question, is in Australia, I don't know if if you know this, the Living End are a big band. Yeah. They're huge. They're one of the, one of the biggest bands of the 90s, 2000s. But in... The States, like, what are they to you guys? Are they just this, like, indie band that only a few people know about? Hardly anybody's heard of them. Yeah, you have to be, like, in the know. It's very niche, man. Yeah. Only a handful yeah. of people I come across are familiar with The Living End. Or, like, people are familiar with them, but not. All, I don't find many people who are like, yeah, man, The Living End. Like, I have all the records. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, a, that's the weird thing. Like, you'd think they would have made it big. And specifically, I think you you would assume they'd make it big in the UK. Mm -hmm. If I had heard that band, I think right, they're gonna you're gonna push them to the UK, and they kind of did uh, get pushed here, but they, they they didn't get that big here either. And I I saw them play a show oh years and years ago here, and it was when I first moved, and they were still like a big stadium band in Australia, and they just played this small bar here, mm -hmm. and not many people knew who they were. And they were obviously, it was funny seeing the reaction going, shit, these guys, <laughs> these guys are all right. Yeah. But, um, and you're thinking, yeah, they're the living end, you know, mm -hmm. it's just interesting. A band so big, it's usually the other way around, you know, um, bands are being exported to Australia, you know, cause it's got a small music scene, but it's right. interesting talking to someone about an Australian band that was really big and just, yeah, hearing how, how they're perceived in the U S knows about them, you know? 
It is very fascinating how something can be so big in one place and yet hardly make a dent in another place. And of course, as a Living End fan myself, I don't know why they weren't big. I mean, they're fantastic. They're catchy. You know, Chris's guitar playing is amazing. Their songs are smart. They're good. Like, what is what is the reason why this band wasn't bigger? Is it not enough touring in the States? Not enough people hear them? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's many industry professionals who've asked that over the years. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, they got on Reprise, which is, which is pretty good. The album was produced by the band and Lindsay Gravina and was recorded at Sing Sing Studios right in Melbourne, Australia. The album was later mixed by the great Jerry Finn. So right there. There's a Green Day link. Yeah. Some... Yeah. Well, that Lindsay Gravina recorded the, the single that I mentioned as well. So they did that um, at Birdland Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Prisoner Society and Second Solution blew up, I sp- it's such a tangible memory for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. just one of those things when you're about that age. I mean, we were talking, I was probably 13. And when you're sort of discovering new music, it's so tangible. There's a few bands and a few things that are just so etched in my mind. And this is one of them. I remember it blowing up. I remember hearing Princeton Society and thinking, what is that? That is, you know, so different to anything I've heard. Um, and then seeing it get big and then off the back of that, you know, the, the music videos and all that on TV. And then that's what caused this album. They, they got the deal and then they, they recorded this full length. So this full length is the first full length and it's off that back. It's, it's so weird. It's, it's off the back of this almost accidental success, you know? Yeah. Another interesting thing about the U S uh, and Australia is U S uh, versions of the record, Sleep on it is replaced with a song called Strange. So it's interesting that they just swapped out a song for the <laughs> for the US yeah. release. It's really weird. I, I listened to this album for the first time in a while. You know, maybe when whenever I was prepping for this a little while ago now, because I knew I was doing this for a while and I put it on and listen, I was like thinking, I don't remember there being the back half of that album feeling like that. Mm. And then I realized that's what it was. Because here in the UK as well, um, the Sleep On It single is completely barred on my IP address because I'm in the UK. So it will play on Spotify. Ah. It will play uh, Strange. But on the CD, on my CD, it's Sleep On It. So (laughs) I don't know what the deal is. Strange is an older song. Strange is off the EP I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And um, I do not know why... It will come to it because Sleep On It for me is a far better and evolved song. Yeah, but, I had a single with Sleep On It on it, and I uh, I really like that song. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. And there's another another American kind of only tidbit of this record, which I'll come to, I think. But it is it is interesting what is deemed to or what does work in one country and not another, isn't it? Right. Yeah, or what the suits think will work in one country <laughs> yeah, as opposed really to another. Yeah, I'd love to know their reasoning. According to drummer Trav Dempsey in an interview on In Music We Trust, we always thought that rockabilly and punk went hand in hand and that when we came over, we would be one of many rockabilly punk bands. That doesn't seem to be the case. They are saying it's different. It's not skate punk. It's not the Sex Pistols. It's not the Stray Cats. It's all the above and then some. We also take solos, which is sort of taboo, isn't it? When you hear a drum solo, you think of Wayne's World, but fuck it. We can't be the band that does solos. Yeah, kids can relate to a band that's about just going off. 
So, you know, a little a little from Trav on maybe why the U.S. didn't take to the band as, as much. <laughs> you know, we always want to categorize or we want to, you know, I yeah. don't know. I, I Yeah, that, I really like that. I haven't read that. There's a couple of things that stand out to me. The first is the the solo thing. Mm. So <laughs> I remember that time. And what one thing, I think I might have said it before. One thing I love about that period in time, it feels like anyone with opposable thumbs could start a band mm-hmm. and play some Green Day, some Offspring, Hero sure. Away, right? Yeah. You just, you know, just power chords, two strings, three strings if you fancy. But then Green, uh, Living End come along. I, I genuinely remember being in like my little garage band covering songs and the, sol- <laughs> the solo bit would come and you would just run your fingers up and down the neck. You you had no idea what you're doing. No chance in hell of ever doing what Chris Cheney does. No. Um, So that was like, that that was completely different to anything else, you know, we were listening to at the time, for sure. It was, was, and and yeah, and and what he just says there about the genres, it is kind of um, this weird melting pot because they have got that very tight musicianship. They're all very good musicians, particularly Mm -hmm. Chris Cheney is... You know, he's he's one of the, he's kind of, he was appearing on like Guitar World and all those like guitar magazines at a time when like musicians that we knew would never be on those. You know, it was all like, yeah. you know, you know, some, you know, metal bands and stuff like that. <laughs> we, so they're very skilled, very, but then at the same time, they've got these kind of simple punk songs at the same, but then they're, they're putting in sounds of rockabilly. Yeah. You've got sounds of like, 50s early buddy holy kind of sounds then you've got like 60s beach boys kind of surf guitar sounds <laughs> a bit of jazz in there you've got um, straight up scar got the upbeats of scar yeah you've got so much and that's just that punk rock kind of fast pace drumming and distortion as well it just all works and i think that that's one of the standards so people who don't know the living end one of the unique things about them is three piece and the bass player is Scott, Scott Owen. He's uh, He plays the upright bass. Yeah. He stands on it, Love does all that. the spinning and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I think it, it what's probably the most fascinating thing to me about Living End is they so could have easily been like a novelty band. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at sure. that, it's yeah. like, to me, it, like, it screams like cruise ship or something. It's like, right, okay, you're three-piece guys doing rockabilly songs. And and then it's anything but, you know. it's mm-hmm. And I... I, I I think they needed something like that freak single blowing up to happen because I just imagine them going into a record company and being like, yeah, we're this three-piece rockabilly band and we have an upright bait. You just be like, uh-huh. You know, I, right. I just feel like it would sound a bit like novelty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they use all those things and they do something like completely unique with it. And I just don't, the band wouldn't work with a normal guitar, bass guitar. Like, I just think it can be completely different, you know? Yeah, It I wouldn't agree. work with that. It also completes yeah. the look, you know? When you see this band, I mean, at least I I think, wow, that's cool. You know, he's got that giant upright bass. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All the photos yeah, and... on the inside of the CD, which we'll talk about the art later, but, you know, he's got pictures of him rocking that thing, spinning it, standing on it, you know? <laughs> it's amazing. The stuff, yeah, absolutely incredible. Just from a live point of view uh it's just he spins spins it he like um mm. he can stand on it and like balance and yeah play like entire songs you know he's just incredible um so from a live perspective they're incredible as well they're amazing christianity as i said amazing guitarist and you know it's it, it's the absolute full package mm-hmm. it really is and and you hear that from this song and i can't think that's the whole point of this album is they get those two singles 
given the record deal and everyone's probably watching going are they like one hit wonders or have they got the package with this album this album what's going to happen because mm. that's a big deal to get that a big full length straight off the back of just that and yeah. then you know it's not another single it's not like a bunch of touring they have to do to prove themselves they get this full album and yeah what are they going to do with it and i think they prove that they're like the absolute com- complete package yeah, and reflecting back on the album, in 2011, Chaney told Triple J uh, he was proud of The Living End as an album, but would be ashamed if he wrote it now. It has youthful naivety and enthusiasm that I think you can only have on a first record. You can only get away with that roughness and looseness and over-the-top energy on your first record. The energy on that record overpowers the songs in a way, but that's what we were all about at that point. And I thought that was an interesting quote. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the theme of the album. Triple J is a um, a, a youth kind of focused um, in a radio station in the UK, uh, in Australia. Um, it's, you know, it's nationwide. And that is kind of a gauge on how young people are responding to music. And Triple J smashed, uh, Living and smashed all sorts of records on that. And they um, were on, featured on that radio station for years and years and years, always at the top of the charts. And um He's right. The album is feeds on from the sort of the themes of prisoner society, which we'll come to in a bit because it's the the one of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah, just like rebellion, youthful kind of energy. Lots of shouting. Lots of shouting. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> it's just it's absolutely, and that's exactly what you want when you, as I said, thirteen years old. That's a hundred percent what you want. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, and I know what he means, but I'm so glad that. You know, and and at the same time, if they had been picked up, imagine if it was t- 2011. Did you just say, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So okay, it's a fair while later. But imagine if they were picked up a few years later, and then they make it and they record an album. You know, six seven years more mature, we probably wouldn't have got this record. It's true. I'm so glad yeah, we got this record. Absolutely. <laughs> Dylan, you had mentioned earlier how you got into the band. You said that you know they were all over the radio, and it was kind of hard to avoid them. As an American, I've got a slightly different story. So I actually discovered The Living End, like I discovered a lot of bands in 1998. And that was through working at the college radio station on campus where I went to college. And, you know, we were required at the time to play a number of albums from the stations like Wall Rack, like the, the, the station would get CDs. And, you know, we had to play like so many of them. We could play our own music, but we had to, you know, mix in some stuff that the station was getting. And I would sift through it, you know, looking for anything that was punk or ska, because I had, you know, mainly a punk and ska show. And I remember I pulled down The Living End, and someone had lazily written on the front, an Australian Green Day, (laughs) which I (laughs) kind of chuckled at. But it worked because I threw it on and queued it up. I actually went to Falling Down, um, the album's second track. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And as I gazed at the back cover, I noticed, you know, I noticed the upright bass and then the music just like kicked on. It was like galloping. Um, mm. And I thought they sounded nothing like Green Day. I mean, unless, of course, you believe all fast-paced distorted rock sounds like Green Day. Um, you know, the track was super catchy. It, you know, contained like various sections where they would range from like straightforward, like punk rock, but then like they'd be bouncing, you know. Um, there's that falling down part. It's almost like ska and... And I just remember like the guitar playing was amazing and I actually liked rockabilly. So I was like totally into it. 
And I just knew I had found like a treasure. And mm. I actually did end up finding that CD at a local record store and bought it without hearing anything else on the record. Uh, I had loved Falling Down and I just flipped for Prisoner of Society when I threw the album on for the first time and that song came on. I was just like, whoa, you know, this song's even better yeah. than that other one. <laughs> <laughs> so was that um, that one you got with that, the reprise American yeah. version, was it? Yeah. Right. It's okay. This, yeah, I bought it. I got it right here. Yeah. This is the yeah, reprise version. Different, different cover and everything. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Out of your, like, what percentage of people you know who are into sort of punk music from that time and just the scene in general, what percentage would you say knew of The Living End? Honestly, like in all my time, a very small percentage, in all my time, I've only met a few people who really lo like love and appreciate this band. I actually met a, met a girl back then who had heard of them. She was actually really into them. And that's how we became friends. Like she was into Rancid and she was into The Living End. And I remember being like, you've, you've heard of The Living End? And she was like, yeah. And so it was like oh, instant right. friendship. <laughs> gotcha. Like yeah, another human funny, being has it? heard of this band. <laughs> it's funny how like, yeah, you get bands. I, I think of like useless ID, like Israel and you like melancholy in Sweden and stuff. You get these bands that kind of make it into other scenes. Yeah. But they, they may not be. Yeah. But they may not be as big. Like I'm pretty like melancholy, not as big in Sweden as they are in Australia, for instance. Mm -hmm. But I think that's right. It's weird with the living end because they are huge in Australia. Yeah. And it's wild. Yeah. Australia has more of a um, rocky kind of scene like mm -hmm. a lot like it's much more our roots are you know the thing about like australian 80s rock and all that kind of stuff and it is it is much more likely for a band like that to get big in the mainstream in australia and they, they were they were never like super mainstream in the sense of they still had that young appeal and and all that kind of stuff yeah um but everyone knew the living end as i said it was it was it's broken all sorts of records and the album itself um went four times platinum i've got it written here it was it was in the top 50 in Australia for 63 weeks. Wow. That's it was number wild, one man. for a long time as well. Yeah. So, the, so it is interesting hearing that you didn't you hear. I mean, it, it seems to be a band that a lot of musicians, so I'm thinking like um, a, a lot of singers and, and members of, ba of bands in the States that I know, know The Living End. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a band's band, maybe. Yeah. And like he, sure. Like Chris Cheney played um, a little bit for Goldfinger on their tours. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me is pretty crazy. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> I, hope you, um, I hope you threw in some rockabilly solos on like yeah, Superman and <laughs> Mabel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But um, yeah, it, to me, yeah, maybe that's what it is. More of a band's band. It's it's. But I guess that's kind of like this little secret band that you like that yeah. you know about. Not many other people do. Absolutely. Well, Dylan, I'm excited to jump into these tracks, so let's do it. The album kicks off with Prisoner of Society. You were saying that this is the highest selling Australian rock single of the decade when it came out. That's... That's wild. And I know that this is a re-recorded uh, version for the for the album. Mm. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that the highest selling um, sort of award belongs to that split. You almost want to yeah. call it the Prisoner Society slash Second Solution. They were both re-recorded for this record. So mm. if, if you wanted to hear the original, you'd have to do is go on YouTube and look for the original music video. Oh, I checked they, it but out. But they redid the music video as well. Yeah. 
And I think that might be maybe because I only saw that the other day and I thought that might be because of an overseas market because I only remember the original one. So it's the music video, if anyone's interested, where it's like, we well, can tell it's the more unpolished one. It's, it's pretty sure it's shot in like a handy cam. <laughs> they wanted to re-record it, I guess, to have it all kind of congruent on the record. Right, but, yeah. you know, original one's got kind of a rawness. Sonic, uh, yeah. Quality. Yeah. Um, actually, it's the third time they recorded it. They actually had to record it twice in the studio because... After a day's work, inadvertently, a switch was flicked, wiping out all the day's recordings. So the band had to go and do it again. I, I love that that's still like, a, for, the, for the living in, that's like a whole song. <laughs> Someone that's like half the overdubs or something. Yeah. <laughs> for them, it's like, oh, it's a whole song. They're yeah. so quick. Yep. No, I didn't know that. Chris sings, we don't need no one to tell us what to do. It's definitely a song about striking back against a society that clearly functions poorly when it relies too much on the past and by sticking to a warped status quo. Definitely a youth anthem. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think it's really anthemic, and that's probably why it took off in the way it did. Mm -hmm. um, and even that music video I mentioned is like everyone's jumping about and like in a school, I think, in a classroom. And that even that music video was nominated for the best music video in Australia in their mm -hmm. Arias, which is the Australian um, Music Awards. But it's, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it, isn't it? It's a real, and it, I think... This uh, uh, song had to be the opener of the record, just oh, musically absolutely. for that opening bit. It's got that kick and snare intro, yeah. uh, the one, two in the vocals. He's saying one, two. And it's, musically, it's a really good opener. But also lyrically, it sets that tone, doesn't it? Of like, as you say, that thing that Chris was talking about, that rebellion, sticking it to the man, that classic um, punk kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And the energy, the shouting, you know, the we, and it's like, you know, they use the word we, so it gives you that like sense of unity and it's like us against them. And <laughs> Yeah. And even like the Ramones-ish kind of like that one, two, three, one, two, three, oi, oi, all that kind of like yeah. gang vocals. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And in this song, I absolutely love the instrumental bridge, you know, where Chris is kind of alternating between the power chords and then he'll like throw like a lead line in there. Mm. And then from there, it like takes off into this great solo. And I know we're going to mention this again and again on this podcast. I love his guitar work on this album. <laughs> it's just so fun to listen to. <laughs> I remember that. I know what you mean. You will probably mention this again and again. One sort of feature of The Living End, so certainly the earlier songwriting, is every solo, it seems, has two parts. Yeah. either like starts more simply and then he breaks out or he breaks out and he goes down but you generally bands kind of would come out of a chorus do a bridge mm -hmm. solo would lift to their final chorus but right. they kind of he does this kind of solo into a bridge kind of thing it's there's two movements it's almost like he had two ideas or something each time you know <laughs> but the, the the prisoner society one he does that first one which is yeah power chords and a little lick power chord little and then he goes to the full solo and i remember just learning the guitar and I could just do that power chord bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then you're just lost. I'm like, oh, well, I, I got so far. <laughs> I spent months trying to play the song on guitar. <laughs> could you ever do the solo? Could you can you play a solo for a I end? I cannot <laughs> nail any no. Chris Cheney solo. Absolutely not. <laughs> it almost feels like even if you could, you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. I think one of the um, big things about this song and I'll mention this again and again, is the impact of that upright bass. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because if you think, okay, you got the song. The song is quite simply, guitar-wise, really, it's just like four chords, three chords, and it's 
God's palm muting and it goes yeah. through. But then apart from the solo, of course, it's quite simple. And that's the point. As I said, it's kind of a Ramones-ish kind of very simple three-chord punk song. But then the bass is either bang on. So when the bass is on the beat, it's staccato mostly. It's boom, 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 boom. boom. Yeah. And it's like driving it. And then when it goes staccato, it's doing these runs, boom, 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 yeah. all over the place. And it, it opens it up. So it's like, oh, it's like the song is like shut down and driving and then it opens up and shut down. That's like that bass really just allows that to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also I also remember learning um, palm muting to this song. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's out this because I was like, I was so like green. It's like, oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how you do it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm quite attached to this song. Yeah, great palm mutes to get that galloping feel. Yeah, yeah, the whole record is, yeah, for sure. Dylan, let's take a look at Growing Up, parentheses, Falling Down. This song opens with those gray rockabilly chugging guitar chords. We were just talking about that in the previous song, and here they are again. This is the first Living End song I heard, and I remember one of the first things that struck me as I was sitting in the radio station listening is there's a lot of parts to this song, and I counted. There's like five different sections that kind of variate. You have the mm. opening, the pre-chorus, which, which switches to like a different rhythm. Then there's the chorus. Then there's that like falling down bridge part with the upstroke guitar, and then there's the, you know, the... The solo section, which, you know, could be divided into two sections, really. Um, yeah. The song has three verses. It's, it's a long song, you know, but it's it's so good. Yeah, there's songs on here with one verse Yeah, on this record. <laughs> and there's, there's songs like this. I'm curious. Now, so you heard that song as the first song. Now, knowing the whole record, what do you think of that choice of this song as the second track? Because I'll back that up with the idea that Prisoner Society, everyone knows. The yeah. whole of Australia knows Prisoner Society. They release this record. So track two to me is like a big choice. What yeah. do you put here to say to everyone? Well, we're not one hit wonders. Do right. you, what do you think of that choice? I actually like it a song too, because I kind of feel after the anthemic Prisoner Society, which was big and huge, then all of a sudden you have this song that just comes out like galloping, like chugging. And it almost kind of feels like the train coming out of the tunnel, like the tunnel is Prisoner of Society. And here's oh, the yeah. train coming right out of it into the song that's ding, 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 you know? Yeah. And I always kind of loved the tandem of these two songs back to back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, I'm undecided. Yeah. I don't think it doesn't work. I think it's, an, I think in many ways it's an odd choice, if I'm honest. I think there's mm. a few other songs I might have gone with instead, but I get it. I think lyrically, it I, I i can imagine a bunch of suits as well I'm not saying that this is a decision that was just made by a bunch of suits but i can imagine some people going well the young people like this rebellious anthemic stuff we'll give them more of it with with this song because this song is about coming of age yeah difficulties of growing up that kind of stuff but i i agree with you i think that gallop the opening galloping energy is 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 there and this is this is a weird song to me in the sense of there's a few on that record that this could have worked like a really slow song Mm, it it sure. sounds like there's something about it to me that it sound it sounds more punk because it sounds like they've really played a slow song fast. Yeah, you know what I mean by that because of the galloping yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's really ballady, really. It is pretty much a ballad. If it was a slow and, song, it would be like eight minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to cut a verse. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's definitely there's definitely no loss of energy by track two. Mm-hmm. 
Great line of lyric in this song. Open up your eyes and maybe then you'll realize the truth is in the thoughts you hold and not the obstacle in front of you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 lyrically pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And I think that works well with the there's a lot of repeated gang vocals on that growing up falling down, which is in and of itself a good line. And mm -hmm. I think it just just opposes well with the simplicity and then the the complex side of it, which I think in many ways its whole album does. Let's move on to second solution. A take on a guy sitting on death row wondering if he'll be executed. Or is there, quote, a second solution? I was surprised looking at the lyrics of these songs. How dark. Yeah. <laughs> More dark than we'll I get remember. To some, yeah, we'll get to some dark stuff later on. <laughs> yeah, I was just jumping around enjoying the, the fast rockabilly punk rock stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't realize what What's I was What's he thinking about? Death Row? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this song, I always liked this song more than Prisoner of Society. When I first heard that, yeah. that EP, when they both came out. Mm -hmm. um, and for many, this song was huge as well. And arguably as popular in some circles, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it, so that's why it wasn't a Prisoner of Society. It's so cool to hear. Single first. Yeah, that, that second <laughs> solution was huge. It had a music video as well, like before the album. Mm -hmm. Um, you go on there, but I I've got a theory that so this I I heard it was this song specifically which was written in a hurry to get the Green Day support. Mm, okay. I know they were both recorded recorded in a hurry, but I had heard I remember hearing at the time that this was recorded like written specifically in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I don't know how true that is, but I have a theory that out of all the songs on the album, this has got that kind of. Um, straight chord riff and if, if you know what i mean by that like the chords make up the riff there's this catchy chord progression yeah which is very green day early green day mm -hmm. like hmm. uh especially like you could i just heaps of songs hitch and ride uh probably wasn't by then but brain stew all that kind of stuff where it's just very it was just like a few chords that were catching and of themselves and i feel like he's almost doing a bit of a billy joe here with that with that idea but maybe that's just a theory but yeah using the rhythm of those chords to really mm drive that in yeah like these songs before it this song also has a great callback you know they have the the part where they second solution <laughs> it's great isn't it it's it's that outro bit they do in fact they did it on the song before growing up falling down yeah. where they just echo that that gang vocal re repetition at the end the whole out i made this song i reckon this song is absolutely it's absolute banger this one um the solo again is awesome i mean we'll say that for every every song. we will <laughs> but um i mean if you if you can do that do it in every song isn't it <laughs> just yeah. just go for it let rip. cut and paste well i'll, I'll just record <laughs> us saying the solo is awesome and i'll just copy and paste it throughout <laughs> <laughs> um it's got a really nice breakdown towards the end yeah i love that part sort of yeah um and that lets it pick up so if everyone's listening um and wants to listen to that song the end of the song that we just mentioned is 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 only as good as that breakdown before because that gives it the space to to really lift at the end and the whole mm -hmm. thing's really been thought about even though it might have been done in a rush mm -hmm. it's um it's really a really well written song and it's fantastic yeah great structure and again those dark lyrics i never really understood i never thought about what what i want to know is will i get death row or is there a second solution what i want to say is will i die today or will i get 
second solution. I was like, what's the second solution? Is it like, you know, is he going to be found innocent or like, what? is he not going to get executed because they're going to decide just to leave him in jail for the rest of his life? Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, I always thought, I always knew like loosely maybe some themes, but I thought it might have just been a wider metaphorical kind of thing. Mm, possibly, um, probably. But at the very, but at the very least, it, it's still, it's still written literally, whether or not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it is, it is interesting. Um, but yeah, absolute cracker of a song for sure. All right, West and Riot. A story about two ends of town who clash. It's that youthful nonsense of fighting with other kids for reasons probably no one ever understands, right? Another Saturday of sun and war shared with our mates. Boys will be boys playing up and making lots of noise. Never used to talk about the future. Never thought they would have to care. So West End Riot. <laughs> yeah. This is my favorite track on the record. Oh, okay. Yeah. West End Riot. That gets your vote. Yeah, I think it absolutely works in every way. I think it's got the most hooks. There's so many clever riffs that all work together. If you broke this song down, I'd say it probably had the most things going on from a songwriting perspective, I, I, I think. Yeah, there's a lot going um, on here. Yeah, but you don't necessarily know it, which is the clever thing about it. It's just, it is a really good... It's... The, there's the, So this is... So just for people to know, this is... We've already on track... We're on track four. Mm-hmm. And we've already got three singles from this record yeah. <laughs> because West End, West End Riot was a what single. What is this, Alanis Morissette? <laughs> yeah. The music video for this was shot in the UK while they're on tour in the UK. Mm-hmm. And for me, we talked about their rockabilly roots. This is probably the biggest nod to that, I would say, on the record. So yeah. it's certainly that British kind of, it's obviously got the lyrics pointing to the whole kind of West End, West End Riot in and of itself, West End being a London term. Right. Um, so it's a very british rockabilly theme um lyrically and i think even musically it matches up to that so the whole thing it's 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 like a little world yeah you know it's a really themed song i just think it i think it's absolutely brilliant and although i couldn't play any of the solos i could play these riffs so i was i was happy (laughs) (laughs) i want to add something uh dylan to what you were saying about the video even more Adding a little bit more to that, the video for the song was directed by Don Letts, who had also directed a number of yeah. the Clashes videos. So right there, yeah. you've got a real good English connection. <laughs> yeah, you're right, and I assume that, that was the band's request, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a good. Show. It's weird that they, as I said, it's weird that they never made it big in the UK. I mean, it's all relative. Like I don't know yeah. the stats on that, but certainly I've never met anyone here that knew the UK, the Living End. Right. Even though I know they've been here multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, they've got all the ingredients to have done it. But I guess there's so much luck involved in these things and timing and getting everything right, you know. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, this song for me is just fantastic. One more thing on the video before we go back to the song. I love how they're running through the streets and they're carrying their instruments and poor Scott has to carry that upright band. (laughs) That always cracked me up. Like that boy Yeah, they do all the cliches. They do all the, they're on the London buses and everything, aren't they? With yeah. All their gear and, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. According to Chris in an interview for Time Out Melbourne, I was listening to a lot of the jam at this point. It was about kids knocking around together and how their lives part as they get older. And never the twain shall meet again. My mom and dad were both from that area, the industrial west. 
dad's family was very poor, and he told me stories about his dad sitting on the steps crying during the Depression when all the men would come home from work because he didn't have a job. Maybe that stuff gets into you. I always hate the idea of some people looking down on other people. So it's West End Melbourne. It's not. It's West End in, in Australia. That's what I, I I tried to figure that out. What is he talking about? Is he you know? Is it just is it two pieces coming together to make the song, or is it referencing something yeah, very specific? I, well, I've never heard of that part of Melbourne like and it referred to like that. But he's probably playing on words a bit there. But yeah, I didn't know they had that backstory with uh, in his family like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So although as I said, they're not a novelty band. They've always pulled the different themes. Yeah. From di- their different kind of so as, as background as well, they started out as a straight out rockabilly band called the Runaway Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, in school and they were like totally just trying to be like stray cats and that kind of stuff <laughs> so they're always going to have take have those kind of in the same way like some you know punk bands kind of write about the stuff that they heard in their heroes that may not even have anything to do with them i think there's they're going to be taking some of those influences so they're probably painted as i said this little world from different influences different sounds mm-hmm. yeah i really like it you mentioned this is your favorite song dylan my i'll let you know when we get to my favorite song oh i want to guess but here's a little curveball you ready <laughs> Yeah. My favorite song of this album, from this album, is not on this album. <laughs> oh, well, what? Have we already spoken right? About okay. Well, stay tuned. Right, leaving a little <laughs> cliffhanger for you. Let's move on to <laughs> Bloody Mary. Not sure what this one is about. Um, I got to be honest, this was never one of my favorite songs on the album. You know, on an album that reaches 47 minutes long, this sometimes was a skipper for me. I got to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I I don't care for that distorted vocal. Like, it kind of aggravates me. (laughs) Especially since Chris is such a strong vocalist. We're just a little bit overdriven, the vocals, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I like the vocals because I like the verse. He does that really long, well, I kind of really drags his voice out. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, But I know what you mean, though. I think they're still finding their sound. Yeah. And this song's very different. Yeah. The first record and in a studio, I think I might be right in saying they've recorded to this date less than 10 songs as a band. I think maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe is that right? Um, people can go back through the history for that. But like their last EP didn't have many songs on it, and that's their sort of only sort of properly released record. So I think they're still finding out their sound as a band. And this is kind of that surf rockabilly sound they would have heard a lot from their influences, having a play. Chris is obviously really good at the guitar, would have come up with that riff, thought we've got something here. I know what you mean. I I, I like it. Certainly not the strongest song on the record. Mm. Yeah. I, I think... It is one of the darkest songs lyrically, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it has that, that dark tone, you know, the the way the instruments are going. And then you've got the lyrics where I'm trying to, like, figure out what, what he's talking about. And it sounds to me like, you know, she's playing a dangerous game. There's, like, you know, she'll die tonight. And it leads me to, like, the, is she, like, tempting with forces that shouldn't be messed with? Drugs? I don't know. Like, oh, what's okay. going on in the song? Like, what would make it be fatal? Yeah, like, so- <laughs> So it seems that in an interview, he sort of, he did say it's um, about a girl who's self-harming for attention, apparently, uh, or at least for, uh, Bloody for, Mary. for, yeah, maybe attention might be a bit harsh, but yeah, self-harming. Um, and he's sort of telling her to sort it out, I guess, or watch mm-hmm. out or be careful mm-hmm. because she'll die tonight. Yeah. So that's the song. So again, it's one of these songs that I was listening to, singing in the backseat of my car, 
where the car when my parents are driving places and I'm singing about someone self-harming that didn't <laughs> but that's <laughs> yeah. that's okay there's so many of these songs isn't it yeah we, we're kind of revisit but yeah I know what you mean but I, I I personally am quite glad this song's there because I think for the pace of the record it kind of dips it down a little bit mm-hmm. um I think it was all galloping like that track too I think that and that's one of the rec- recollections I have of this record so many albums we we love from that time if we listen to them now they all were pretty much the same pace yeah yeah. there's a lot that were like that mm-hmm. um and i think this album does benefit from a bit of variation and if that has to be bloody mary i'm i'm, I'm glad for it to be that mm. i'll have to go back to it dylan <laughs> let's move on to monday Speaking of dark stuff, Monday is the <laughs> Living Ends Epitaph to the 1996 Dunblane Massacre. Oh man, I was going to say, there's your segue. Where 16 students and one teacher were killed by a 43-year-old man at the Dunblane Primary School in Dunblane, near Stirling, Scotland, before taking his own life in the gym. Oh, heavy stuff, man. <laughs> um, it's, it's a heavy song, and I, did, I, went, I didn't mean to laugh there, really. It's just the fact that it's a kind of these are the songs you listen to and you don't really realize what it's about i just i genuinely listen when i was listening to it as a kid i thought the song was not wanting to go to school on monday <laughs> right yeah me too <laughs> yeah oh man but there we are it is what it is but it's it's got a it's got a deeper meaning yeah when you when you get into it chris sings very hauntingly monday a day like no other monday was their last day uh, i didn't know anything about this mass shooting when i picked up this album back in 1998 I mean, I remember looking into it because uh, I always read the lyrics along with new albums that I get. And, uh, you know, he's singing one day in a peaceful village, school day and working to blame. One man could change their whole world. One man is all it took for no school today. It's just a memory. One mind gone wrong. And I mean, that sums up the whole song. Mm. Just another ill and, person and, think... and the horrors that follow. Yeah, for sure. And I think the one thing that probably threw us not knowing it was a deeper song is is musically this is like a really upbeat song it's so upbeat <laughs> <laughs> it is really odd <laughs> yeah i mean we maybe we shouldn't be laughing it's just a unusual song i think personally for me i think this is the more, most boring song musically on the record mm, okay it's it's a lot going on it's not boring i, I shouldn't say it's it's the most simple right um, there's the least going on. If there was ever a skipper, it was probably this one for me. Okay. It is a song that is, I guess, kind of, it's d- designed to be quite simple, I think. Yeah, I think maybe the lyrics were the focal point. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, yeah. So, sometimes I often feel like songs where the writer really wants you to pay attention to the words, they kind of back off the music a little bit, you know? Yeah, but it's weird to think that he wrote the song first and then went, I need some lyrics for this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write about the this Scottish school massacre. Mm-hmm. You know, but then it's also equally weird if he wrote that first and then decided, yeah. <laughs> started writing. Let's some... <laughs> throw some jovial, bouncy chords over it. Yeah, really odd. So, yeah, knowing that's kind of, <laughs> it's made the song even weirder to me now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a classic uh, rockabilly kind of punky, 
song in the sense of it's got only what three chords mm -hmm. yeah there, there, there's a little bit going on at the end but the, the bulk of it is very simple i don't want to play on monday it's, it's just that quick rhyming stuff um repetition yeah it, it, it's it's kind of a classic song in that sense isn't it mm -hmm. let's move on to all torn down According to Chris in Time Out Melbourne, I was still living at home in Wheeler's Hill when that came out. I'd see a bunch of beautiful old buildings disappearing in the city. And when they're, they're done, they're gone. It was about me being into old-fashioned cars, music, and fashion. Why can't things just stay the way they are? In the song, Chris sings, I see the city and it isn't what it used to be. A million houses going up and down in front of me. No time to let the concrete set before it's broken up again. And so, yeah, you know, he sees the city morphing into this industrial giant, you know, where the parks and trees are disappearing and there's freeways going in. And uh, it's a pretty universal song, I think. Anyone who's ever lived in a city here. Totally. It's this was another single. This so one people was. can go okay. watch. Yeah. People can go watch the music video for this. I love this song. Mm -hmm. And I loved learning to play it again i could play at least some of it which is great i could play that that lovely arpeggio riff at the start it's fantastic <laughs> and then it breaks into that kind of more punky kind of bit with the, the um octaves that kind of riff there yeah and it's um so that's great and yeah like you said like the lyrics are brilliant so no time to let the concrete set before it's broken up again great line mm -hmm. some really good lines in that and it, but this suits the music i i argue like we just did in, the, in that song before maybe there's a bit of a mismatch in this one for me perfect really really works together and that was a big deal in melbourne at the time they, they, they live in melbourne gentrification just building something completely changed all the time massive deal now um you can read about that in the news at the moment with all property issues and stuff in in, in australia in general particularly in melbourne just heaps of changes going on so it's kind of a timeless song in that sense yeah the uh key change at the end as well is is great um mm. it's it's a, it's, a, it's a fair bit going on but it's it's still a great classic pop song in the sense of the way it, the way it's structured you know it's quite accessible yeah i love that key change that you got no reason part where they're chanting mm. it and it like shifts and you're like all right it kind of just that ramps up the energy thing. you know yeah it does that dun, 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 dun. yeah it's it's mm -hmm. and it does it again yeah it's 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 brilliant it's a it's a really catchy song um and uh, I don't know how it did as as a single. I'd be really curious to see. But I think this was probably um, released after West End Riot, I think might be right. Um, I know the single for the song had Tainted Love on it. They do a cover of Tainted Love. <laughs> have you heard it? Which they play live. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's awesome. a really good cover. I love yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> well, another thing I love about this song, and we heard this in Falling Down Growing Up, but they definitely bring back those upstrokes, you know? He's got the verses where he's basically playing ska. And it's funny because, like, The Living End, I don't think will ever be considered a ska band by any means, but they really threw a lot of upstroke guitar playing uh, in this album, you know? Yeah, and maybe that's why he's playing in, in Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, but you, you by, by now, we've already had so many different song uh, sort of tones, and we've had, like, that kind of surfer rock kind of sound from Bloody Mary 
yeah we've all had we've had the punk we've had the rockabilly mm-hmm. we've had we had a bit of jazzy kind of stuff in a bit clean guitars and there's that that scar as well but it's not like um it's it's all cohesive it totally totally works it's not like oh this one's the scar song i mean there is a kind of a kind of a scarish song on this but it's not the scar bit just totally works yeah. and with that as i said with that um upright bass they're able to do just anyone else writing the song if you saw this song broken down a bit of paper you'd go okay that's the song nothing create out of the ordinary mm-hmm. yeah and we'll write it like that if you gave that those chords to someone else they'd have a completely different song to what living end have done with it you know sure yeah just based on textures mm. the next song is save the day I love how this song starts with the Mighty Mouse. <laughs> Here I come to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. It always cracked me up. Um, I'm not sure if that was coincidental or if they were really just kind of trying to channel some Mighty Mouse, but it's a good you, song. You're giving me with all these American, American references. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the Save the Day is another single. Another wow! There's so many singles yes. on this record. It's yeah. crazy. I know you can go look. I, I said this is a big album in Australia. Yeah, this is so. If, yeah, go go look at the at YouTube music video for this. It's a properly produced music video. So as I said, it'd be weird if you're in the states and you heard you said, "Oh, this is Australian band called Living End," mm-hmm. and then they you got into them and you realized these guys have got all these singles and music videos and they're yeah. quite big. It must be odd, but yeah, save the day um was a single uh it probably was the last single i think released off this record in australia but yeah funny thing i actually had this single and so here's where we're going to talk about my favorite song on the album that's not on the album the single for this song which i i don't know how i got it i don't i doubt it was released oh maybe it was i mean it wasn't a single in the u.s why would it be this album barely uh, you know caused a breeze here but somehow i had the single and it had the song on it but the other song on the single was a song called lone ranger have you heard this song no I absolutely loved this song. The the galloping guitars and the guitar work in this one song always just absolutely blew me away. I loved this weird B-side <laughs> Wow! by The Living End. What? It was one of my favorite songs. Was it a B-side from these sessions? It must have been. I mean, it sounds sonically like all the other songs oh, yeah. on this record. And wow. It's great. I don't know why they left it off the album. Oh, so you think it should have been on there? Wow. Oh, absolutely. So you would have knocked off Bloody Mary? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny Maybe they had too many happens, galloping songs. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny how that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see that single. I, that's probably a nice old rare yeah. rare release you got there. I wish I'd I say. kept it. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. I don't know what I did. Oh, you don't it. have it? No, oh, man. Yeah, this this song, why, why do you think this was one of my favorites? Uh, I don't know. 
surprise to the listener. It's because it's the only solo I could play. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could actually play the solo one, although it's 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 doubled with an octave. But I yeah. I could actually play this solo. Um, nice. So I was I was a very happy bunny being able to very sort of play along with, with this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at Trapped. Here it comes again. This song kicks off with drums, but then slides into guitar upstrokes and, you know, very minimal drums. Uh, you can almost like barely hear the bass. I always kind of like that. It's just like mainly Chris and the guitar at, at, at the start of this one. Yeah. So I read that this song was released in the U.S. as a single. Really? But not in Australia. So I'm, that's what good old Wikipedia tells me. <laughs> so I'm curious. Always trust Wikipedia. Yeah, but if that's the case, I'm I'm curious what would make that work in the states specifically. Do you I think wonder. Anything... My thought. I mean, I don't. I doubt this is the reason because I don't think people who release singles think this way. But this is a very political song. I mean, I I think it's about a certain Australian political figure, but you know, it could certainly be universal enough to apply to what was happening in the U.S. Maybe in 1998. Who knows? Um, you know. It's talking about how this political figure is trapped indoors, uh, rather than the face, rather than go out and face the you know, public scrutiny. And like I said, I feel like the song could be about any leader. You know, it's up to us to lead the way, but not having a firm grasp on what's right, standing on the right side, who knows what's right. Political figures tend to be characterized as not having a clear understanding of what's right. You know, <laughs> I'm right for them, I guess. Yeah, uh, but uh, I. I did read that interpretation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know if it was true. If it is, um, it's about a figure in Australia, kind of very much a far-right figure, mm. who unfortunately made a big political comeback mm. years after this. But yeah, that's kind of, that's interesting. I'd, I'd love to know the real, you know, the truth on that. But this is this is an out-and-out Scar song, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it has horns on it. Toby and Alistair from... Area 7 play horns on this song and yeah it's definitely may oh I know maybe because it was a ska song and in 1998 ska was in full boom here in the states oh, it's maybe they're trying to capitalize they, on that ska market that must like be it. To, that must be it must it. be it yeah boss tones a hit it's all got big it has nothing yeah, to do with bill clinton it's all about ska <laughs> <laughs> yeah the deeply political thing uh, it's the horns um it, i i yeah you're probably right actually yeah because it is the only definitely the only song on the album with horns and it um is it's out now a, a classic ska song so it's um and it's yeah it's i mean ska it's 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 syncopated and slower much more clean guitar mm -hmm. it holds up i think yeah and again like yeah Gives the album another shade. You know, it's got something diverse. All of a sudden, you got a ska song on the record, and you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And and they, they toyed with it so much already mm -hmm. in all those tracks. You know, they've gone ska for little bits, and that, yeah, it's probably a matter of time before they gave it a go. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to Have They Forgotten? What's up?
like the previous song, a look at leadership and how frustrating it can be to feel like they don't have your well-being at the front of their agenda. It starts in one soul, one life, one meaning, as far as we know. And as far as I know, this song is just a jab at government. He sings, they say there's nothing we can do. Just stand back. But while the government comforts you, says, let's be patient. (laughs) One more cell becomes vacant. Putting trust in the government while they essentially screw over the country for their own personal (laughs) or political gain. You know, his, his question is, have they forgotten what it's all about? Yeah. And I guess uh, government stopped doing that after this song, didn't they? It's yeah, all, uh, yeah. They all, must have all wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, for me, I think this is a good shout for track two, this song. Ah, okay. This, this could mm. be a track two, sure. Mm. And I think this even could have been a single. I think this song is really good. Fantastic song. Um, it's a lot of energy. Um, lots going on. Um, it's still got that kind of rebellious kind of you know anti-disestablishment anti-establishment mm-hmm. kind of vibe going on so yeah I, I i think it's a great song it definitely has one of my favorite guitar solos on the record i i love the solo on this this song mm. it's really good it's one of those ones where as i said all these solos aren't just solos they're part of something else so there's either a, a kind of a pre-chorus kind of weird bit before it or afterwards, there's this, this breakdown. And in this one, there's that, that breakdown where it kind of goes half time, it builds up. Yeah, yeah. And then it hits that final chorus and dun, 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 dun does yeah. that kind of repeats that. So I, I think that's that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a great song. And I one of the ones actually I probably forgot a little bit about, you know, I knew all the singles knew, and I put the, this record back on and oh, this song is absolute belter. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's side B, it's getting toward the end of a 47-minute record. And this is actually a perfect segue into the next song. So this song is followed up by Fly Away. I love this song, Dylan. If you were to ask me, okay, you can't pick Lone Ranger because it's not on the album. You have to pick one from the album. Uh, In order to not be cliche, I I wouldn't say Prisoner of Society. I might pick this song. I I love this song. The melody, the... uh, This this song has my favorite guitar solo from the whole record. That bluesy, like, cool solo that he does. (laughs) Yeah, it's got that, like, 50s spring reverb kind of sound on it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's the cleanest he goes on the whole record. He's got that nice hollow body guitar, and you can hear it. I mean, you can just hear that. It's just, oh, I love the solo on this one. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got that hollow body Gretsch, and he... Mm -hmm. um, which he's kind of sponsored by now and stuff, but he he's able to get so many... He just tickles it in so many different ways. And obviously, he's got all different effects and that, but you can just... He gets does so much different stuff with that with that guitar. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. I think this song is this song's straight up ballad, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it does give some hints to future. But he goes on to write some really emotive ballads on future albums with lots going on, lots slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and this gives some hints on what he can do. Um, if I was kind of producing this 
or we're part of the record company or something and heard this, I'd, you'd be thinking, right, okay, these guys, this is one of the hints to make me think these guys aren't one hit wonders. Mm-hmm, They've absolutely. got something here. They can have a long career. They're just doing, they're just, they're just not playing, you know, Prison Society, three chord, fast punk song. And you hear that and you go, okay, yeah, no, they, they can do, they can do a bit more than that. And they have a lot of cool structural things going on. Like I love the way his vocal like rises, you know, he's singing a line and then the next line is on top of that. But then he plays a guitar part that sounds like it's kind of sprinkling downward, you know, that, that single note part. So there's like a lot mm. of like ups and downs. If you listen mm. to the song, he's building and then he's, he's bringing it down again, which is hard for me to describe. I'm not really like a, you know, I'm a music person. I have this podcast, but I sometimes I like take the long way, you know, to explain something musically and <laughs> it either makes sense or it doesn't. But that's a, a cool thing I get from this song. Yeah, I get, I get weirdly, I get the, the feeling of flying away. I get the, the yeah, idea. It's kind of a floaty. Yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it seems like a song where someone is trying their best not to give up when things get tough. He's on the wrong side of the fence and the skies are gray. It would be easy to just fly away, but he doesn't want to turn to that type, one who just gives up, gives in. So powerful message too. Yeah, I think so. And it just plays into this whole kind of like blue collar worker kind of, and we'll come to that in the next song actually, but that kind yeah. of, that perspective really. And at this point, you know, they're not a big band at all. Mm-hmm. They've still got probably full-time jobs at this, or maybe certainly when writing this, they may may have had full-time jobs. So it's, Definitely. it's yeah, it's, um, it does play into that quite well. And I, I think, yeah, I think it's a, a perfect song for where it sits in that, in that album, I think. Yeah, it's kind of buried, but it's a gem. Hmm. Let's move on to I Want a Day. I Want a Day Where I Don't Have to Get Up. Sometimes I'm sick of being in a rut. A pretty self-explanatory song about not wanting to go to a job you hate. Or school. We were talking about not wanting to go to school earlier. You know, this low-life job makes me feel like a jerk. So dirty. Burnt fingers to the bone. Not fair to be left in this job all alone. No help, no credit for making this. Evil machine doesn't stop. <laughs> I guess he doesn't like his job. When- yeah, I love when they fit that that evil machine lyric in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, only song written by Scott on bass. Ah, okay. I think it's credited to them both. Yeah, but I think I think he wrote the lyrics, if I'm right. But uh, does your uh, your sleeve there offer any insight on that? I'm looking at it as you speak. Yeah, Owen. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That. How, what do you think of this song? I want, I want your thoughts first. <laughs> well, I like it. You know, it's, it uses the upstrokes in the chorus, which I think is cool. You know, they were using them for some verses and some bridges. Now they're like, okay, time to throw it in a chorus. And I also like, it's got a few other things that we talked about on the record. It's got uh, the modulation at the end when it mm-hmm. shifts up. And then mm-hmm. I actually really like the solo in this one too. I feel like it's a more melodic line as opposed to, you know, it does a lot of flashy things on this record but this one's it's a little more subdued uh I, I like that yeah they do the key change at the end they go back down don't they they don't it's not like a final lift they just do this little sort of vignette at the end right i've yeah. written i've written here that this got this song's got 50s rock 60s surf rock british early scar kind of a first wave punk sound and then modern pop punk in it as well it's kind of like got this kind of weird texture yeah um I agree saying that. that you could yeah you, you could have put the horns from you could have got the area seven guys playing on this mm-hmm. 
you know, this could have easily been another Scar song. Yeah, definitely. This could have easily been the faster song. I think they've done the way they've done it is right. I think that the vocals uh, could have been a bit stronger, personally. Mm. But I think that's probably what Scott is alluding to. Uh, Chris, sorry, is alluding to that kind of... They're, they're just... They do sound like first album lyrics. And to be fair, they go on to write some amazing lyrics otherwise. Yeah. And lyrics are fine. Um, but I, I kind of feel like um, that's probably the, the weaker spot in the song. But it's still, it's still a great track. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're rhyming work with jerk, so... <laughs> Date and late, yeah. All right. Yeah. So for me, Dylan, the next song on the album would be Strange. Yeah. And how, how do you feel about Strange versus Sleep On It? Well, I told you earlier that I like Sleep On It better, but uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Strange and then we, we can we can we can do Sleep On It next. We'll we'll do like, you know, the next track as two parts, right? OK, yeah, <laughs> right. gotcha. So part mm-hmm. one, Strange. This song starts with that cool, like jazzy drum work on the toms, you know, kind of reminds me of uh, Longview by Green Day, you know, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. it's definitely yeah. a bouncy song. It's it's fine. I, I like it. It's got a cool swing like jazz bridge, which is which is cool with another really cool solo. But you know, other than that, yeah. this is not a standout track. I don't I don't know why this one was like favored to be on the U.S. release. Over yeah, I really song. sure. I, if if Chris was here, this is what or anyone from the band, this is what I would ask: is what is the thinking there? Because Strange is from that uh, EP I mentioned before, is right. for your own good, which is actually fantastic ep mm-hmm. worth hunting down but it's from that so i'm really Old. curious yeah i'm curious why it's on here it's been re-recorded mm-hmm. but i can't for the life of me work out why it was bumped for sleep on it it's even weirder that it was only in some countries yeah you know so from what i've read that it's, it's the record company is saying that it's people already know the song strange so uh, we'll put sleep on it on. But that doesn't make sense because why was Strange even considered in the first place to me? So it's an odd one. Strange is it's fine. Yeah. It's an okay song. But I really feel if you compare it to the rest of the album and specifically Sleep on it, you can it, it's they've evolved as a band. That's how I feel. Yeah. And um, there's some clever musical stuff going on there. And it's almost to me sounds like if you imagine these three guys met in school they're doing this music covering rockabilly kind of finding their sound that to me sounds like a song they might have written with a lot of that influences but they haven't fully harnessed the skills of writing a a catchy pop song that's going to work today Mm -hmm. and a lot of the songs they've totally done that with this album they totally work as pop songs but strange still feels to me like maybe a clever song but it's never going to be a hit yeah it's a it's a bit of a unusual it, it, I'm sure it worked fine on that first EP, but within this context of this album, I really feel like they've moved on as a band. Yeah, it's a bit safe. It's a really weird choice. So the, I, I would love to know the, the reasoning behind it. <laughs> me too. The song is best summed up by the lyric, well, I don't know what makes me different and I don't care. Maybe it's not my problem. Why do they stare? You know, it's just one of those songs about feeling different, feeling like you don't fit in the mainstream mold, you know. People view you as a weirdo. Any active, you know, self-expression that's a little different gets met with side eye. You know, it's something that I think we're we're all very familiar with in this this genre. But um, summed up best, I think, by that by that line. Yeah, yeah, it's just about being 
identified with being strange so in a way it's similar to the prisoner society kind of thing that you know um we're different you know we're we kind of um, leave us alone we're different uh we're doing our own thing um but i think well the anniversary record that they're putting out for the anniversary of this is there's no strange on on it ah okay um there's no strange anywhere but as I said, the U.S. release. So, yeah, again, really odd to me that, that that was done. Mystery. Well, let's take a look at Sleep On It. So, like we mentioned, Australian versions have this song in the place of Strange. Uh, and, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's a pretty cool song. I actually heard this one on the Prisoner of Society single that we were talking about earlier. And I always liked it. I always liked the song a little bit. It was To me, it was a little more catchy. It was a little bit more interesting to listen to than... The song it was swapped out for and yeah i i think this is one of the best songs on the record yeah yeah it's it's good <laughs> yeah i think uh i think it could have been a single genuinely i think it's a great song so it's 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 unusual mm-hmm. um we don't know it could oh, I, I all sorts of theories but it's a, it's a classic song that fits with this record like if you put two together two together which which song sonically fits on this record more it's hands down sleep, sleep on, on it, it yeah hands, hands down it's got it's like fast pace mm-hmm. it's got some some really cool like it's got again like a, a breakdown after the solo that sounds incredible the lyrics are good yeah i think it's i think it's a great song and i think actually it could have been further up the track listing as well it's got the shout along you know vocal parts the lyrics then do you do you just take that as a literal it's just a guy and a girl just uh having a bit of a dispute yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I thought about that. I thought about, like, you know, sleep on it tends to mean something that you kind of, like, hold out on. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out, based on the, the lyrics, where where that title, like, what what he's talking about. Like, sleep sleep on it. Yeah, I'm not sure what what they were going for there. Maybe, like, or, like, sleep on it. Like, we'll come back to it tomorrow. I don't know. I couldn't really decide. <laughs> yeah. On this one. I, didn't know if it, I didn't know if it was a play on words that is, like, yeah. the the power, it was like uh, the tension between we should do that, like you're saying, mm. and sleep on it, like sleeping together. I didn't know if it was kind mm. of should we, shouldn't mm. we? I didn't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like rare for this album to sort of touch the classic relationship stuff. Yeah. Um, There's not much of that on here. No, maybe that's the reason. I don't know. They're like They don't like the relationship stuff in the States. Yeah, the Americans are like, no, none of that sappy love stuff. <laughs> We'd much rather have this other song. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're strange. Put the put the strange track on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are strange. Not related to that. <laughs> All right, and so the record comes to a close with the aptly titled "Closing In." just an instrumental to close the record it's just a neat little Mm. instrumental you know keep it ditch it i like it but you know nothing nothing too spectacular would you have done it would you have put that in to be honest uh i like a record that's a little shorter i I don't know why i think it's like psychological you know longer albums tend to feel long to me And mm. if you clip off a couple, like maybe this one, Bloody Mary, I think you got a little bit more of a yeah. uh, a peppier album. I, I'm not sure. 
know what you mean. I think given the Chops is a band, I think it made sense they recorded an instrumental. Yeah, you got to show off a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm thinking what was also buzzing around them at the time. I can imagine record execs being like, oh, he's, you know, one of the big angles is their musicianship. Right. We really want to see a instrumental. It, they could have, who knows, he could have sat down and written this really quickly to mm-hmm. keep them happy. We don't know. To me, I think this works. I think this is fine. Mm-hmm. But it does sound to me like the kind of, especially back then, the kind of track you would have found as the kind of secret track. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let sure. it run. Let it run for we'll another a few 15 minutes, minutes of and silence, then... and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely and then it comes on. That's what it sounds like to me. But it still works. It's still fine. And you could, if you put that in, it only goes there, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you gonna put it? You can't. Well, I don't know. Maybe you could s- slip it in like late side one. You know. Maybe a little uh, yeah. little intermission. <laughs> I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, but have it do what sort of Bloody Mary does kind of thing. Yeah, yeah you could yeah. could do that. Yeah, I I mean, what's cool about the song is there's lots of movements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's still quite short from instrumental, they could have gone crazy with it. It's yeah, still quite short. Um, but there's a lot of movements and 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 tricks in there, time signature changes, and I think that that does give a hint for some future stuff that. Chris Cheney does, the band does on future albums. There's a song in particular, The Room on Modern Artillery, I think it's on. Yeah. There's a few songs which have like epics with lots of movements. And I think this is another, I keep going back to the idea that Prisoner Society and Second Solution were big. They get this record deal, do do, a, do us an album, pressures on them to show what they can do. Mm. And I think there's a lot of hints on this album to say these guys are in it for the long haul. They're still going. Oh, absolutely. I don't know how many albums. And I think there's a lot of hints there. So I think it's uh, a good song from from that point of view, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick look at the art, and then we'll close this down. So the cover art for The Living End was done by Craig Preston. It was described by frontman Chris Cheney as based on a photograph of like a World War One all-female bomb factory. If you look... There's all these like yeah. warheads. Yeah, that's right. If you look closely, you can see the, the people kind of like milling around and it is a little haunting. The inside is like in typical punk fashion. It's like, you know, the lyrics are in, in my version, like, you know, on ripped paper. Some of them are typed. Some of them are handwritten. Some of them, you know, this one looks like it's a newspaper article. It's just a lot going on in here. A lot to look at. It looks like an advertisement on the back in the on the backside. I always loved the the picture on the back of the CD. I had this poster actually in my my room because I would always look at Chris Cheney's like beat up old sweater and be like, <laughs> but, "Yeah, the jumper." Yeah, I couldn't get a nicer well. sweater for the shot. <laughs> I remember that as well. That's funny. Yeah, for a while. So that that yeah, that is a photo from from a War Factory. The for a long time, certainly the first three records on the top of my head, maybe even more. They just have that red black and white theme yeah so mm-hmm. black and white photos they're, they're color shifted to red i like that particular photo it looks like crayons and that sounds odd but they're like they're like warheads aren't they missiles or bombs or whatever yeah it, yeah it's just kind of a repeat pattern of like almost like crayons or pen- pencils that you know it's, like it's mesmerizing it's, yeah even the album the, sorry the ep before that the uh, Prince from Society Second Solution, that's red and black and white. Mm-hmm. They just had that really strong um, design theme going on. And it's rare for a band to have that run so long. 
um like a real kind of aesthetic i'm a designer so mm -hmm. it, that i appreciate that that there's someone's thought about that and thought no we'll have this aesthetic of this black red white kind of thing it works with the look yeah it was quite synonymous with the band i think i think of the band in those times and i th I, I visually think of that kind of theme yeah it's pretty cool i hadn't really thought about that until you mentioned it and you're right they do have that theme going on for it this uh you know the next roll on and then the album after that it's modern yeah. artilleries in closing the living end is a band i had no clue about until i popped this album into the cd deck at my radio station and randomly picked track two for play on my radio show what came out was a sort of rockabilly green day with complex guitar and it was love at first listen i loved the combination of punk with a country twinge a little sky in there for good measure jazz the songs were memorable, and the album shot through the ranks of my listening habits, almost dominating my music choices in my freshman year of college. They were like the best kept secret in the United States. Yeah, that, I guess it's, it's an honor to be able to talk about this album to people who may not know about it, because as I said, growing up in Oz, you wouldn't get that chance. This, you know, I loved listening to music no one knew about, but this wasn't one of those albums. Mm -hmm. This isn't one of those bands everyone knew the living end. For people who don't know about them, that's probably going to be most of your listeners, maybe. I would definitely recommend starting with this album. Maybe there's technically better, you know, more polished albums of theirs, but this is absolute. You think about what we all the background we've just given, uh, the time it was recorded as a debut album. Yeah. I can't think of it. It's, it's unbelievable. They should have been bigger in, across the world. I agree. They weren't, but you know, that's there's still a chance for you know people to, to discover them and enjoy them and you know it's a special special band a special album to me i learned to play pretty much learned to play the guitar to this album <laughs> i learned you know i learned the love of music you know my love of music was kind of evolving over this album and others you know at this time so it's, it's a special it's a really special record very cool thanks dylan and thank you for hanging out with me tonight and talking about this record. I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. We have been talking about it for a while. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I would like to thank Chris Demix from Less Than Jake for the theme music. I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Talking Records. It is so much fun to dive into all these great records that we grew up on, how we discovered them, chat about the songs, try to dig all the information that we possibly can up. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's a little easier. Try to put it all here in this, this podcast. Check us out on the socials. Please say hello. Suggest albums. Tell us how you discovered The Living End. All right, Dylan. Take care, my man. You too. Thanks a lot.